Okay, all right. It is, uh, it is, it is 7, uh, 7.07, we're a little bit um, behind here in time, but we wanna make sure that we coordinate this correctly. Um, Brother uh, Babatunde uh, Allegheny, he's uh, an elder, as you all know, here at Delray, as I am as well, my name is Mercury. Uh, and uh, we are gonna be covering even um, evangelizing, I think is uh, the topic that is uh, the focus of this month for Delray Baptist Church. As, as many of you know, uh, the beginning uh, of this month period in which we focused on this, uh, we started out with uh, a week of fasting for that purpose. And in subsequent weeks after that week of fasting, we've had a number of sermon series on Sundays uh, covering uh, the importance of evangelism and missions and each Wednesday night we have been covering that as well. So if you were expecting to hear a message on Exodus like we have been doing for the last couple of uh, years here, uh, <laughs> of just, just hold on for a few weeks. We'll, we'll have a few more weeks of evangelism uh, and, and then we'll get back into Exodus, I'm quite sure. So I'm gonna open us in prayer and then we will get started. Let's, let's all pray. Father in heaven, we are happy this evening because of your son Jesus and what he has done for us. And the reason why we're happy, Lord, is because at the end of the day, uh, you have forgiven us. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, we have been redeemed and reconciled to you. Those who put their faith and trust in your son Jesus and his finished work on the cross, completing that work that was necessary so that our sins would be forgiven so that we may be in right relationship with you. Yes, that is something for us to be happy about. So Lord, we ask that you would encourage us at this time to follow your word, to follow your ways, and that you would have us to have a passion within us that would want to spread this message to others, that would want to encourage others to know the same joy and peace that we have. No matter what our circumstances are in this life, no matter what kind of situations, no matter what our day-to-day -day struggles may be, we know in the end that you love us, that you have made a way for us, and we praise you for that. We ask for your help at this time for, with understanding we ask for your help with peace in our hearts. We ask for your help to love others. This is our prayer to you. This is our request on the authority of your son, Jesus, who intercedes for us. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are going to begin uh, with going around the room like we, we typically do. And uh, we're going to just have maybe your first name and then maybe one person that God has used to save you. Uh, there probably were many people that God placed in your path to, uh, to redeem you, but if you could think maybe just one person who's had uh, a big impact, maybe just share you know, who that person uh, may have been. So I'll start to my left and your right, and name and person who has influenced you. My name is Sam. <coughs> And uh, the Lord used a friend named Jason. That's good. That's good. That's good. 
Sam. All right. I'm educated, and I just give it to you. All right. <laughs> I didn't expect that. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> All right. Okay, all right. No. Uh, my name is Mary Young, <laughs> and I just say the same thing. Okay, y'all maybe should have spread out next time or something. <laughs> we'll, praise, we'll, praise, <laughs> we'll praise the Lord for that. Yes. I'm Jane, and my dad. Your dad, okay, all right. Yeah, praise the Lord for that. Amen, yes. I'm Christina, and um, I have to say my husband, Matt. Oh, wow, praise the Lord, yeah. All right, yes, all right. Oh, okay. Praise the Lord. All right. All right, brother. Uh, I'm Bob Tine, and I'll say my mom. Your mom. Okay. All right. All right. So, uh, Grant, uh, we'll just first name and one person that God has used to, uh, to bring you to, him, to himself. Okay. So, next, Grant and uh, parents. Parents. Okay. Good. 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 So my name is Mercury, and my mom, I mean, there are a lot of people along the way, but uh, my mom is the one who... I just from a young age was just giving me uh, the gospel uh, in a very in a very clear way and profound way. So that that's 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 very that's that's very encouraging. So now I guess with that theme, uh, just think about like your interactions with people at work and your families and uh, your opportunities that you may have to share the gospel with them. And all of us are here. Uh, in part because God has uh, prompted somebody to take the time, uh, take that emotional risk, uh, to, to give the good news of the gospel. And, uh, and I know we all praise uh, the Lord for the people that we just mentioned. So um, be used, be an instrument for God in that way. just want to encourage you. Our appetizer for tonight is from Psalm 51. And normally, I do an appetizer that's maybe three or six verses. And as I was looking for three or to six verses out of a psalm, it was kind of, when I got to Psalm 51, it was kind of hard to pick just six verses. And actually, normally, I ask y'all to guess which psalm, but I just told y'all. So that, that kind of defeats the purpose of the whole guessing part. So I will read it, and then we're going to dive in and kind of look at what the Lord is saying in Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. 
Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I will, I will give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Do good to Zion in your, in your good pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then will you delight in right sacrifices and burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Amen. So, wow, there's a lot of good, just a lot of good things to just think about in this text. So let's just break this out into just maybe five parts here. The first part being verses one and two. What do you all see or think about in verses one and two? Like, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. What, what resonates with you in those first two verses? hitting all the points. I mean, yeah, there's a trust in God. And so because he has that trust in God, he's asking God to have mercy on him. I mean, he's trusting him for that. And then you hit the part about the sin and falling short. I mean, so he's talking about the need of having our sins erased. And he also talks about the need of our sins being washed clean. So he's He's accepting the fact that he is a sinner, that he is in sin. He's accepting the fact that God is the one who is able to solve that problem for him. And he's asking for mercy in that. Yeah. So the next three verses here, verses 3 through 6. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you, and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I, will, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth and in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. So those, those four verses, what do you all see? What, what resonates uh, within you on those four? Yep. 
as mother and you know instinct, and so he recognizes that he's not justified only except through God. Right, right, absolutely. So he he talks about the fact that he's a, he's aware. He's not uh, blind to his sin. He's not ignoring his sin. He is aware uh, that he is in sin. As a matter of fact, I think the language he uses is his sins are always before him. My sin is ever before me, right? And then he also talks about uh, we're born in sin. And so an interesting part in here, he says, my sin is against God alone, right? And that thing that's kind of an interesting Concept because I, I believe this passage is about um, his sin with Bathsheba, right? So, and then we know, and we know that story. So there was a lot that that brother did that was wrong against people on this level, like on this horizontal horizontal plane. I mean, was it was it Uriah, right? Was it Uriah? Was was Bathsheba's uh, husband, right? One, a, a warrior on the front line fighting for the kingdom, for David, and. He has this man killed because he went and committed this, this horrible sin with this man's wife. You know, on this level, he's done these things, and he tries to hide it. And so then, when all is said and done, he says here, my sin is against God alone. Right? And he wasn't trying to justify it. Right, right, right. That's what we do sometimes. Right, right. When we're... When, <laughs> right, but... I know, yeah, I know it's wrong, but you don't know my circumstances, though. In my situation, oh, you know, well, so-and-so made me do that, or it was, you know, no. He had, he, when he was confronted with Nathan, right, Nathan said, you're the man, then he had a contrite heart. I mean, and that, and that is, um, that's very, very powerful. We, we should have a heart like that. The next section here, verses 7 through 12, wash, um, Wash me, let's see what, uh, and, and make me clean is, is, is the concept here. So we have, um, it's saying here in part of seven, in the back end, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. In verse eight, he talks about, uh, let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken uh, rejoice. Nine, he doesn't want God to um, see. Uh, uh, see uh, these sins. So he says, hide your face from my sins. So he knows they're there. He's saying, hide your face from them and blot out my iniquities. And then he, and then he says, in 10, he's talking about, I need my heart clean. I want to be cleansed. I know that, that I am just, I'm just foul, and I just need to, to have that clean heart. He wants God to create that in him and to renew a right spirit. And he doesn't want him, he doesn't want to be cast from the presence of God. He says, cast me not away from your presence and don't take your spirit away. He wants, he still wants to be close to God in this, in this moment, at this time. So uh, we have that in those passages there. Uh, I'm going to move uh, along uh, pretty quickly here through the next couple verses. Verses 13 through 17, uh, some of the concepts are, is that, you know, now... I will, I will teach sinners your ways so that they also may be clean. Another concept he's talking about is that he wants to praise God uh, in, in this moment. Uh, and then he says, uh, you desire people 
who are broken in spirit and who have a contrite heart is what he is saying um, in this moment here. Right? That's what he says in verse 17. And then the last part, 18 through 19, he talks about the fact that he wants God to uh, protect him. And he wants God to be pleased with him. And he wants to rejoice uh, in that. So when we look at Psalm 51, particularly in the mindset of evangelism, salvation, sin, we want to have a similar heart and mindset that David had here, acknowledging that we are all sinners, acknowledging that God is a great savior, and he is the one who can create a new heart. He is the one who can cleanse us uh, from our sins. So I just get excited about passages like this because uh, you know this applies to all of us and I think that we all can identify with Psalm 51 if we're honest. All right, That's our, our time tonight is going to be uh, discussing a tract here that we have at the church. And it is uh, called uh, Two Ways to Live. Um, you can find this uh, in many places uh, throughout the church. Um, it's a good track. It is something that could kind of help walk us through some of the core doctrines of, uh, of the theology of, 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 of salvation. Um, you know, certainly when you're with someone at work, uh, uh, in your neighborhood, um, people that you interact with, your family, uh, you know, certainly you can have this track with you and kind of walk through and, sh and, and, and share it with them and kind of, um, you know, explain it and then actually leave it with them. Um, you know, you don't have to, you know, go word by word from it, but um, there are many different methods and ways to use tracks. Um, some people will use tracks and, you know, when they go to a restaurant and, you know, to kind of leave with someone. But I, I think the, the best way to give someone the gospel is through relationships. Like if you, if you know someone and you're connecting with them, then certainly uh, leaving a track with them or leaving some scripture verses with them for them to kind of ponder and the Holy Spirit is the one who does the work and makes the heart alive, so God will use that. But anything that we do, I mean, we're imperfect people, right? So anything that we do, God will use uh, to uh, his glory. So I'm gonna go over the first um, three parts of this, uh, of this track, and uh, I, think next, and I think next week, Brother Opportunity is gonna cover the back uh, end of that. And then, um, after I go over the first three, then Baba Tunde and I are going to kind of role play um, something that you may experience in the workplace or something like that. And it just may help you to see how this uh, may play out. So, uh, to start off, uh, when we talk about salvation, I mean, it's simply put, salvation is a message that's given from the Bible, uh, and it talks about God, his son. It talks about uh, life in general and death that we all face. I mean, so just from a basic standpoint, um, you know, Christianity explained in a, in, a, in a very brief and simple way is uh, we have a sin problem. 
God has pro provided a way for that problem to be solved, and it is bound up in Jesus and his life, death, and resurrection. And so that is where it all uh, begins. So then uh, the first part there, when you turn to the, um, the green page there, there are three statements that you see. That God is the loving ruler of the world. He made the world, and he made us rulers of the world under him. So we're kind of talking from like the beginning, like a broad, a broad path here or a broad mindset of God being the loving ruler of the world. So in the beginning, you know, there was God. And so he made everything and it was good. He's a, and he's a loving ruler. He cares about every single intimate detail of life. I mean, when you go outside and you see like a little insect doing this thing, I mean, God, you know, he, he, create, he created that. And he created people because he loves life. And, and so he created Adam, he created Eve, um, and he made this whole world that's so complex and so beautiful because uh, he wanted to demonstrate his glory. And so with all that he created, he made man to be rulers of this world that he created. So that's, that is what you will find on the first part of this track. The second part that you will find is uh, we, mankind, we all reject the ruler, God, by trying to run our, our life our own way without him. And so we fail to rule ourselves in our society or the world. So when you look at this second part, it's pretty clear that the ordinary person can see that this is a reality, right? I mean, if you really, if you really think about it, you know, we, we are people who uh, uh, reject authority all over the place. I mean, it's not a big leap for someone to say, um, well, do we really reject God? Well, you know, children reject, rebel against their parents. You have people in nations rebel against, against the authorities. You have countries warring against countries. People stealing things that don't belong to them. There's all kinds of just natural conflict. I mean, you really can't, you know, leave your home without road rage, someone cutting you off. You know, you can't, you, you can't go to the work, you know, job without someone maybe taking your lunch by accident. Oh, I thought it was mine. I mean, you know, there, there, you know, there's so many different examples of just conflict in a broken world. I mean, the world is broken. And the world became broken because Adam rejected God, right? He rejected God and he rejected his way. And so then he wanted to rule himself. And we, by virtue of the fact that we are born in Adam, born in sin, we want to rule ourselves as well. I mean, our, natu our natural way is to uh, rule ourselves, and we fail at that miserably every time. We think that we can do it better than God every single time. So that's the second part that you see in this track. And then the third part here is that God won't let us rebel forever. 
And God's punishment for rebellion is death and judgment, right? So when we see in the scripture where it says, if you eat of this tree, you shall surely die. Well, God meant what he said. There will be, there will be, there was, and is a separation from God when we sin and rebel against him. And so what we see here is that there is a price to pay for rebellion against a holy and good God. There's a price to pay. And that price is death and judgment. So when we think about people that we're sharing the gospel with, I mean, this is a very, this is a very real uh, situation that we're talking about. This is, a, this, is, this is real life. I mean, this is, we talk about and we think about the fact that there are so many different people groups that are now coming to our lands here and they may or may not be aware of the gospel or they may not have a clear presentation of the gospel have been given to them or people who have been here for many, many years and we have an opportunity to give them the truth. Well, we need to let them know that, you know, the price for rebellion is death and judgment. And uh, that, is, that is something that they really need to consider uh, and ponder. So I just kind of really quickly went through the first part of this track. And I think the purpose of this track is to help the unbeliever to kind of see some basic truths that are important for them to understand uh, what is at stake and what God is trying to do to reconcile them to himself. All right, this, so this is a good time for us to, to pause, and Brother Babatunde is going to come up and uh, lead us in a little uh, exercise, an intro and an exercise. So I think my mic is on. I think it's good. Yeah, so I think it's on. Um, so right before this, I think it's helpful to kind of give a quick overview as to why we're doing this. Um, so I don't know if it was a couple Sundays back, Pastor Mike McKinley of uh, Sterling Baptist, he talked about reasons why typically we are uncomfortable with evangelism. You know, uh, some of the reasons may be fear of man, some of the reasons may be, you know, we don't want to take a risk or we're just not prepared with how to engage with others in sharing our, our faith. So, so that's really the purpose of this whole series of evangelism and particularly tonight. It's, it's kind of a workshop, it's kind of a practical equipment, equipping to be prepared. Mm -hmm. Because if you remember what Mike McKinley said is, it's, it's not enough to just, you know, to go in there and overcome these objections that may come up. You have to plan, you have to prepare. So as we think about that, would someone be willing to turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 to 16? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 to 16. And if someone else could get, um, sorry, I blanked there for a second. Did I give chapter 3, verse 15 to 16? Okay, mm -hmm. so that's, we'll that's go That's correct. That. Mm -hmm. That's we'll correct. And then, let's see, let's do Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18, if someone else can get that. Fifteen and sixteen. But in your hearts honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone 
who asked you for a reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Excellent. Amen. Yes. So, so that's a perfect reason as to why we're doing this, mm -hmm. right? And the primary reason is we're commanded to be prepared, right? Did you catch that? It says be ready. Don't just kind of walk in there necessarily. Be ready. Always be ready. And so, so that's kind of the purpose behind this. Um, so more biblical reason as to why we're doing this is in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Who has that? Grant. Come now, let us settle, settle the matter. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Excellent. Does someone else have a different translation of that? If you don't, that's if, if you don't have it ready, that's fine. But other translations, go ahead. Um, like really, the first part is different. Okay. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Excellent. So, so you caught that word reason. Okay. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that is in you. And the Lord, in speaking to Isaiah, what does he say? Come, let us reason together. Okay? So, so it's really important to understand in evangelism that what we're dealing with is persuading others. We're persuading them to have the knowledge that we have, which is the truth. What we have is the truth. And since, since you're in a persuasion situation, since this is a situation where men and women are being persuaded, there's some tools that God has given us to engage with others in persuasive communication, okay? Um, and, and, and you might be familiar with this concept, and it's, it's kind of from Aristotle that we derive this, this tools, okay? When you're in persuasion, there's something known as uh, rhetorical devices, okay? Specifically, it's persuasive rhetorical devices, okay? And, and the key ones that we're familiar with are logos, okay? Pathos and ethos. Does this sound familiar to anyone? Anyone heard of these before? So these are your modes of communication when you're engaging with someone. So we all do this. And we don't necessarily realize that we're doing it, okay? And so to break it down further, what's actually happening as we're, as we're sharing the gospel, as we're persuading others, we're making our argument or we're appealing to them based on either our, either reason, so that's logos, reason, or emotion, or moral character. to see, <laughs> okay? So, so typically, whenever you're making, you're trying to persuade someone of the truth that you have and you want them to see what you see, this is essentially the elements that, that form your argument. Everyone with me? Does that make sense? And so, so it, it's really important to get this background to understand really what we're doing when we present the gospel message, when we receive objections to the gospel message, when we persuade, this, these elements are gonna be coming up. And so in this exercise, this role playing that we're about to do, I, I, would, I would like for you all to kind of listen for these elements in the gospel message 
as well as in any objections to the gospel message, okay? So, so Mercury just walked us through this gospel message using this tract, Two Ways to Live. Now, the purpose of this tract is not necessary to tell you here's the verbatim gospel message. Right. Now, if you can do it that way, that's fine. But, but I think a lot of us, or most of us, when we enter in, into a new situation, sometimes we don't quite know how to organize or structure the argument that we're making or the, the appeal that we're making. So here's really a helpful framework to help you think about how to flow the message in a concise way that someone will understand. Because as Mike McKinley said, it, it, it's the message, or even Max Stiles this past week, we want to focus on the gospel. And one of the things that could deter that focus on the gospel is distractions or confusing messages, right? So if I, if I were all over the place, I could prevent someone from hearing the gospel just by not clearly presenting it. So this is a very helpful way to do it. So in the first exercise, the first role play we're going to do, um, I'm going to set the scene, but we're going to go through it once of the entire framework of Two Ways to Live, where the scene is we're in the break room, Mercury uh, playing the unbeliever and, and me the playing the believer and the believer. Um, and, and Mercury the believer too. Uh, so so, so we're, we're going through this and, and you know, we, we just talked about our weekend and, and Mercury was asking me, how was your weekend and what did you do? And so we get to this point where in the conversation I dropped that, you know, I spent the weekend at church. I, I, I got to study uh, this particular passage and Mercury is puzzled by this and he asks, you know, why would an intelligent person, any educated intelligent person, believe in the Bible? Okay, so play, and Mercury's gonna ask me that question. All right. So, your Baba Tune, so why would any intelligent person believe in what the Bible says? Yeah, so, so, so that's a good question. Uh, but before I get into those, all those specific reasons, let me just be clear that we both understand what the Bible actually teaches, what the gospel message actually teaches, okay? Is that okay if I just kind of go over what that message is? Yeah, that's cool, I got time. Yeah. So, so here's really the gospel message, okay? It's, it's that God is the creator of the universe. He is the loving creator of the universe, okay? The Bible message teaches us that God created everything that we see, the created order. And not only did he create the universe and the world, but he created us, and, and he, he gave us this place unlike every other creature in the world mm -hmm. to kind of rule under mm -hmm. him mm -hmm. over the world. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, so this, is, this is at the core of the gospel message is we are ruling because God has put us there. Okay, but when you, when you see that what the Bible teaches that this is how the world was created, I'm sure you would also wonder, is, is that really how it looks in the world right now? Does it look like we are ruling this world. When you see that there's all kinds of suffering, there's all things that are outside of our control, things that we can't, we can't rule, we can't rule things like they were intended to be ruled, it's pretty evident to all of us that the world is broken, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so the question is, why is the world, why is it like that? And, and I think what the Bible says is the reason for this is that we rebelled Human beings rebelled against the creator of the world, mm -hmm. okay? While God is the ruler of everything, we tried to set ourselves up as God by saying, you are not king over me, I don't want you to control me, mm -hmm. 
I want to control myself and make the law for myself. Mm. This breaking of his law makes us criminals against him. Mm. You know, the Bible calls such crimes or lawlessness, it calls it sin. So we sin against God. That's what the Bible is teaching us. We have sinned against God. And we've been continuing to sin against him for generation after generation after generation mm -hmm. to the present day. Mm -hmm. Okay? And God is patient, mm -hmm. but he can't let us continue to rebel against him forever. Mm -hmm. Okay? And so the Bible teaches us, in, in, there's a, chap, there's a uh, book in the Bible called Romans. Okay. And in Romans chapter 3, it says that the okay. wages of sin is death. Or actually, okay. it, it, it's in Romans chapter 6. The wages of sin is death. Okay. You know, and so that, that's a judgment that we get by saying, I reject you, God. Mm -hmm. And since he's the source of life, that's death for us. Hmm. Because if he takes himself away from us, that means we die. Hmm. Right? And so, so that's the judgment that falls on us for every human being. This broken world is under judgment. And that's what we deserve. Right, right. But God is so loving mm -hmm. that, not only that not only does he recognize that we deserve it, and he could leave us and be just to leave us in that state. You know what he does? He sends his son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place, mm -hmm. to take our place as a substitute and die on our behalf. Mm -hmm. so that the judgment that we deserve would be put on him. It's like a judge coming down off the bench for a, a guilty person and serving their life sentence or their death sentence. Mm -hmm. God does that on our mm -hmm. behalf. Mm -hmm. And so what, what happens now is that by him dying on, on, on the cross for us, you know, God accepted that as the penalty that we deserve. God, in, in order to show that he accepted that, he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Mm -hmm. And he gave him dominion over all, over death, mm -hmm. over life, over everything. Mm -hmm. And so God did this and such that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, everyone who would stop rejecting him and rebelling against him but put their trust in him, will have this life. They'll have eternal life. So our problem of death, mm -hmm. eternal death, is solved because of Jesus Christ. And so... There's really now, with that clear message, there's only really two ways you could respond to that truth. We can either continue to reject God and say, I'm going to go my own way, or we can stop rebelling and submit ourselves to him mm. and say, you mm. are God over me, and I submit to your will. So that's really the clear gospel message okay. that I believe. Okay. Any questions? So, so, so right there is how, as Mercury showed, is just using that framework, not necessarily verbatim, telling the story, remembering even the, the, the signals with, with the pictures, reminding me how to kind of stay on track and presenting the clear gospel message. So I guess my first question then is, what elements did you kind of pick up in, in terms of, as I tried to persuade Mercury of the truth, did you pick up any of these elements in that gospel message presentation? As I appealed, what did I appeal to in that? What did the message appeal to? His reason. His reason? Mm -hmm. Can you think of an example of one of those? Yeah, mm -hmm. excellent, mm -hmm. excellent. Mm -hmm. so, so being organized and, and 
that it appeals to him, things that he could see and make sense on his own. Exactly. So appealing to the evidence, that would be kind of that, that, that logos, that reason or evidence, right? Anything else you picked up? Or it could be to this or to any of the others. Did you pick anything else up? Yeah. Um, but in order to reason through things yeah. together, yeah. there are assumptions that have to be agreed with. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Mm -hmm. So, 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 mm -hmm. truly, sometimes it's not even just one thing; it's a combination. Mm -hmm. You know, you 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 recognize that emotions can come into play, and so you overcome that by just saying, Let, "Let's use evidence, but let's also be aware that this this is a factor in in mm -hmm. the conversation." And so. Um, and then, of course, Mercury probably trusts my moral character. And so you see all of these things are, are interwoven. Um, and so what we just demonstrated is kind of the ideal situation, right? Uh, in, in, the, in real life, typically, sometimes you may get those opportunities to clearly lay out the gospel like that. But then there are other instances where you might have a little bit more hostile to the gospel situation. So, so we've tried to do both now. We've just gone over the, the best case scenario. Maybe this will be closer to the worst case scenario. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do it again now with how it might actually go in real life. So Mercury asked me the question about my, my intelligence. And uh, <laughs> go ahead. All right. So let me just start with what go we ahead. have here. Mm -hmm. OK. All right. So yeah, so um, Baba Tunde, you had a good, good week at, um, and, and a good weekend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good time it's, with family. It's great. It's okay. great. Okay, love the uh, love, love, love the time at church with, with family and just uh, hearing the gospel message every week just refreshes my heart. Wow. Well, so so why so why should anyone trust the Bible? Why should anyone you know believe mm -hmm. uh, that is that is true? Anyone who's intelligent, why would they believe that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so so just to make sure that we're, we're on the same page here, I'm just going to give you quickly my understanding of the gospel message, okay? And the first thing is that God created the world, okay? He's the creator of the universe, and he, in creating the universe, created us to rule with him, to rule under him all the other creation that he placed on earth, okay? So, so we, we have that unique blessing to rule under God, okay? Okay, so... And having that unique blessing to uh, to rule under him, it just seems like um, things don't really go the way that it should in life. I mean, mm -hmm. people are in chaos, and there's all all kind of problems. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why would God um, leave us in this place where we're like ruling this world, or as you put it, and then it doesn't go right? Why would God? Why would God do that? Okay. So let me make sure I, I understand what you're asking. Are you? Basically, asking if God is good, or are you are you asking yeah, if he's, yeah, why I mean, evil essence, exists? Yeah, well, yeah. Why, why you know is if, is is God good? Because mm -hmm. I don't see much good in this world. Okay, and, and that's that's a great that's that's definitely a great point. Okay, um, clearly, the what we understand is that the Bible does teach that there's evil in the world. Okay, right, right. and because there's 
evil in the world, we have to kind of ask ourselves, where did that evil come from? And we know from scripture that evil came from man's rebellion to God, okay? Man rebelled against God and basically said that his authority is not the authority that we want ruling over us. We want our own authority against okay. God. Okay. Okay. All right, good. good. So, so if I pause, I didn't get the <laughs> chance to flow through my message the same way the first time, but that framework helped me think about how to respond or, or, or identify what the objection is that I'm hearing. Okay. So when Mercury asked me what he asked me, what, what type of objection would you say that was? What type of objection was he making? What was he appealing to in, in sort of disbelieving what I have to say? His moral character that he's already. Okay. You know, asking if, well, is God good if mm -hmm. he lets us rule this earth? Okay. Yeah, so you, you could see that the, the character of God, there, there is that element. Is that what you're Suggesting, okay. That's good. Reacting emotionally. Mm. To emotionally. Right, right. And, and so, how do you respond to an emotional rebuttal or objection? Mm -hmm. Right. Are you going to respond with more emotion? Are you going to respond? <laughs> you're, you know, you're probably going to try to bring the person along to truth, right, and not get stuck there talking about anything. Mm -hmm. You're going to talk about, you're going to present the gospel message. So this is really a way to keep us focused on the gospel message, which is truth. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Right? Okay, so, so now I'm going to play the unbeliever um, okay. with Mercury. And I'm going to, if it's alright, I'm going to skip. I think we kind of covered these. Okay. So I'm going to skip to this sure. one here. Okay. Alright, so um, we're in the break room. And uh, so, um, so how, was your, how was your weekend, man? Yeah, it was great. Great. Right. How was yours? It was good, man. I was in church, man, and, you know, just a lot of good, you know, just scripture, you know, just time and teaching, and, mm -hmm. yeah, good, just good time and just praising, just praising God, man. It's yeah. great. It's great. Yeah. 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 So, so could you tell me about what it is you're learning in church? I mean, you seem like yeah. an educated guy. Yeah. Uh, you have a lot going for you. Why would you kind of waste time, you know, believe in some old fairy tale? Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I can understand, you know, that you may see it that way, that it may be a waste of time, but, but the reality is, is that, you know, that God is real and that he, he created this world, he created everything um, for his glory. Uh, he created us to, to worship him. And so because um, we sin, I mean, we, we, we fall. Uh, I know that you sin. I, I know that you wouldn't say that you're not a perfect person. Definitely not. I'm not a perfect person. None of us are. We, we haven't met that, that dude yet. And so um, we rebel, and because we rebel, there is a price to pay for that. And so in being, you know, sinners or people who are imperfect, you know, that is keeping us away from God. Mm. And so there's a penalty for that, and the penalty for that is death and judgment. And so I would just kind of just encourage you on, you know, asking, you know, that the question that you ask about, you know, what, you know, what I'm, you know, learning and stuff, and why, why would I even take the time, maybe a waste of time to some, but to those who kind of see themselves as 
you know, imperfect and in need of reconciliation to God. Yeah. You so know, so can, can yeah. I interrupt for a second? Absolutely. I, yeah. I really, you know, I have a problem with this idea of me being a rebel. I, I don't, I didn't rebel against anyone. I mind my <laughs> own business. I come to work. I pay my taxes. I, right. I really, right. I, I don't get this idea of being called a rebel. So what, do you think you're a rebel? Or is, I mean, okay. I, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, you know, I know you don't beat up people and you probably, you know, uh, you're nice to your, your mom and everything. I know that you, <laughs> you know, sent those flowers to her last week and that was sweet, you know what I'm saying? I you do. know, uh, but, at the, but yeah, I know, and, you know, and I tried to, too. I kind of, you know, wrote my dad a letter last week and so that kind of made me feel good. But at the end of the day, I know that, you know, as much as I do good, as much as you do good, I mean, I'm sure that you would agree that there are things that you regret. Is there anything that you think that you regret? Yeah. Yeah, and I do too. I regret some things. And so I think that if we think about those things that we regret, it kind of makes us feel broken inside. Would you, would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Okay, so I think that when we kind of like kind of focus in on that, those are the kind of things that make us separated from God. Does that? Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. So what did you notice in, in terms of how I approach Mercury and how he responded to me? What elements of our persuasion did you pick up? I think in your response, there was kind of an attempt at reason um, mm -hmm. to justify. Mm -hmm. Excellent. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I think that is exactly what we were hoping you would pick up is that there are gonna be objections. Okay. So this isn't gonna be a cookie cutter approach whenever you share the gospel. The Bible teaches that men by their unrighteousness suppress the truth of God. And so to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in you, is to be prepared to anticipate objections and identify them. And so when you identify them, you are equipped to, to focus on the message of God, the, the gospel message, to overcome those unrighteous objections. Does that make sense? Um, so you want to open up for questions? Then? Yeah, that, yeah, that's a, yeah, be a good time to do that. Yeah. I've been a Christian all my life, church all my life. <laughs> <laughs> but responding, I, I, I at church. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So, so that's a great example where someone immediately says that they're a Christian. First thing I want to understand is similar to the beginning is understand that we have a commonality of terms. You're a Christian. Could you help me understand what a Christian is? Can you explain to me the Christian gospel? Mm -hmm. You know, so that, that's how mm -hmm. I typically want to go is, is first identifying that we're on the same page. Um, and then that's another way to peel those layers, as you said, to see where clarification and truth needs to be inserted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Christian? She said, oh, yes. Oh, yes, he's been to Catholic Church all his life. He grew up Catholic, and he has a gorgeous voice, and he sings at funerals. They just popped out of my mouth. Well, that doesn't make you a Christian. Mm. <gasps> and she was talking, I didn't know where to go. <laughs> 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 what would you say? Oh, me well, or, well, you so, want to take that? Well, I, I can jump in. Then <laughs> you go ahead. Up. So <laughs> it sounded as if this individual was leaning heavy into works. Okay, so, the, so what I would kind of, how I would respond, I would, I would say, okay, well, those things are nice to do, and I'm sure that people uh, receive joy from hearing this person sing, and it's good to, to go to church, and, you know, the Catholic Church may have some, some elements that may, uh, you know, expose someone to Christ. Uh, however, the, the Bible says that, um, you know, we cannot be saved by our works. So, while your friend might be someone who does a lot of nice things, the real question about our friend is, uh, do they accept the fact that they're a sinner, and do they put their faith and trust in Christ to reconcile them? That's where I would, that's what I would. I, I think that's a fantastic answer, and I think it, it's, it's conforming to what 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 to 16 says. You know? I mean, you can just hear, just naturally, he's appealing to, one, the reasons, and, and the historical, the biblical reasons, and he's being gentle. He's recognizing, using words like friend, our friend, you know, recognizing that emotion is a part of it, and I can't just start hammering the truth on this person. I have to be sensitive and gentle. And so you see all those elements that we, we are sensitive to, we are conscious of, as we appeal to men and women to be reconciled to God. So I have a comment and a question. Sure. So the comment first, um, I think it was helpful just to, whenever I got kind of emotional about, like if it's a terrible world, mm. like why would God let this happen? Mm. And instead of coming down the rabbit, rabbit trail, trying to like prove every single point of yep. why God is not yep. bad, but he's good, saying that I think it means because we are sinful people and mm. we have caused this destruction on our, just to make it, bad place. It just gives our brokenness and our sin. Mm. We're rebelling against God mm -hmm. and make things good. It's our fault and on, on us. So, so turn it back towards towards you and, and, and to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, and I would even follow that up and say that God created the world good without the brokenness. You, just as you mentioned, we're the ones that cause the brokenness in the world, mm -hmm. but God is going to make all things new right. in, the end, in the end. Yeah. 